Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. The Pasuk tells us Tamim Tihyeh Imashem Elokecha. Tamim Tihyeh. What does the word Tamim Tihyeh Imashem Elokecha mean? It's a little bit of a difficult word to translate. You shall be wholehearted with Hashem your God. That's how they translate it in, uh, in the art scroll Chumash. Tamim Tihyeh. You should be wholehearted with Hashem your God. Now I want to read to you what Rashi says and I want to delve a little bit beneath the surface of this super important pasuk, a pasuk which I think aside from a regular commandment is supposed to be an element which teaches us how we live our lives on a day-to-day basis. Rashi says, Go with him with simplicity, with a wholehearted nature. And put your faith in Him. And don't excessively search after the futures. Anything that comes to you, accept it with a uh, equanimity. Is probably a good word here. And then you will be with Him and you will be part of His portion. What does that mean? Anyone know? God's portion is Amor's people. God says we are His portion in this world. And we also call Hashem Amunai Helki Ugorali. We say also God is part of our portion and He's part of our uh, destiny. So, what are we looking at when we talk about this? Now, it's important to recognize. The context. The, const- the context in which we say, if you look right before that, Pasuk Yud Aleph, Yud Bet, it talks about all of the idol worshippers of the past, where they would go to soothsayers, they would visit people who were necromancers, that they would do all sorts of, uh, turn to all sorts of mediums to be able to tell people what to do in their lives. And Rabotai, I want to say something, and please accept it like I always say, in the manner in which it's intended. You could have a person who's uh, coming to you and telling you that they're mixing an uh, eyeball together with the blood of a raven, and you know, and finding a piece of grass from on the tombstone of a person who was left-handed and born on July 31st, okay? And through that mixing, they're gonna tell you that they're gonna see your future. They're a psychic, a tarot card reader, you know, whatever it is that they're going to tell you that they're doing. My father was once walking down the boardwalk in, uh, in Asbury Park, and we brought the whole family out to, what's it called, to see the fireworks. They used to do it every Wednesday night on the shore. I don't know if anyone remembers. So my father walked in. Anyone who knows my father, God bless him with his smile. My father walks into this, uh, into this psychic or Tarot, tarot card reader place and he says to the woman he says Mehila, uh, you know he says uh, you know it's already 10 o'clock and they haven't done the fireworks yet you know if they're doing the fireworks yet she says oh no sorry sir I'm not connected I have nothing to do with it he says you call yourself a psychic and a future teller you can't even tell me if there's going to be fireworks now you got to understand over here so the Torah says don't turn to all these people that are pretending to know the future okay rather tanim be whole with God. Understand that when Hashem sends you something, He's, in, he's entirely looking out for your, for your benefit. And that should be enough. Placing my faith and my portion 
with God. Rabotai, once we understand that that is the case, we begin to understand that we can peel back a much deeper layer of understanding as well. This concept of trying to find the futures through magic is not the only way people try to peer into the future. And an excessive element of this is also illustrates a lack of emunah in God. So sometimes you could have a person who maybe is not going to a magician, but they might be going excessively to financial planning. Maybe an excess or a obsession with financial planning could be called a lack of emunah. Now obviously, everything is supposed to be seen with balance. It doesn't mean that you spend everything you have in this moment and you don't worry about tomorrow at all. Maybe though that was for the hafetz haim, they would go to work for exactly the amount of time that they needed in order to make money for that day. And the minute they had enough money for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they would leave the store and they would go study Torah. That's for giants of emunah. But what about me? What about you? I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a guy he has $175 million in the bank. This guy, all he thinks about is putting $350 million in the bank. And after that, he thinks of a billion dollars in the bank. And you have people who, even though they have that kind of money, they live with, no, they live with an anxiety. What if it won't be enough? What if I need to make more? Who knows what's going to happen? I still remember a phone call that I had with somebody who made a $100,000 donation. And I, uh, I made the mistake of waiting to call him to ask him to pay his $100,000 donation. I should have asked him the next morning. But I didn't. I figured the guy is a very wealthy guy. It doesn't matter. I'll wait till after the summer. All right, I went back to London. Anyway, I went back to London. I waited a little while. I happened to pick one morning. I called this man and I said, thank you so much for your generosity. You know, uh, you know I'm, uh, if it's at all possible, you know, can you let us know when it would be convenient for you to pay your pledge, your donation. The guy says, don't you read the news? I said, what do you mean, don't you read the news? I picked the morning of the meltdown at Lehman Brothers. I had no idea. I'm, you know, I'm sitting in my rabbi cocoon. I pick up the phone, the guy said, he goes, all hell is breaking loose. The whole world is falling apart. We need to batten down the hatches. We, you know, anything, all bets are off. The guy, the guy is, he's a billionaire. He, prom- he promised $100,000 tzedakah. Can't pay it now. You see, he wasn't bankrupt. He was worried, maybe something will happen that even the last dollar that I have will go. So I can't, I can't, I promised the, I promised the money to tzedakah. I'm not going to give it. That's the level of anxiety the guy had. So sometimes you find that a person, there's such a lack of faith that no matter how much they have, it's never going to be enough. Because who knows? You never know. You never know. You never know. At a certain stage, a person has to learn that, you know, I, 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 it's true. I could be the same way I could lose all my I could be struck by lightning. You know, maybe I'll die tomorrow morning. Who knows? But I want to stretch this idea even further. Rabotai, the same way you could go to a, a magician, a necromancer, or a psychic, the same way you could go to a, to a person who's going to put aside money for you for, for 150 years from now, 
you know, who's going to, you know, plan every element of every day down to the, you know, the person who thinks that they're going to plan, you know, who knows what and who knows when, and then they find out, God forbid, that they have something, they have to go to the hospital this morning, they have to cancel all their plans. A person could, could show a lack of emunah, not just by visiting a psychic or a financial planner or trying to map out every element of their child's future from school all the way into college, all the way into profession, trying to manage their shiduchim, every single person, which family, what name, who the guy is, this guy you can't, who knows what'll, be, what'll happen. I know some people, they broke up a shiduch because the guy, the father-in-law wasn't gonna promise years and years and years of support. He said, I'll take care of them the first five years. That wasn't enough. What's going to happen in year six? What's going to happen to anyone in year six? This couple is great together. You're going to ruin their future because of your anxiety in year six. Who has a guarantee six years into their marriage? Does anybody know what it will be? Not only that, you could also have a lack of emunah, which is shown not by a psychic, a financial planner, a shadchan or this, even a rabbi. I know a lot of people go to rabbis for blessings. They go to a lot of rabbis, they ask them what to do with their business. Now, forgive me, forgive me. There was once a time when we had Nevi'im. That's a Navi. There was once a time when you go to someone and he has, what's it called? He had the Choshen Mishpat. the Kohen Gadol would tell you exactly what God said. To the best of my knowledge today, we don't have Nevi'im. So a guy who doesn't move on a business deal without asking a rabbi, where did this start? Rabotai. We have a pasuk in this week's parasha. The pasuk says, Ki The time will come where there will be something that you don't know, you can't figure it out. And you will get up and you go to the place. You go, you ask a question. That's what you have to do. But a guy who sits there paralyzed in his life because he didn't, can't ask a question about everything. When did this start? My rabbi used to scream and rail about this. And I want to tell you one thing. It's not just a regular person that has to learn to be able to live their life and trust in God, not in a human being. But beyond that, I want to add one last layer to this. A rabbi also needs to be someone who is not always asking. A human being, you, everybody sitting at this table, needs to be someone who doesn't always need to ask a question, even in halakha. There was once a time where a simple guy, let's call him simple, he goes to work every day, he knew the halachot of his home, he didn't need to ask a question. You know why? Not because he didn't care, or because he thought he knew, or because he made it up, but because he learned those halachot in the Shulchan Aruch. Because he sat down with his rabbi, or with his friend, and they learned the halachot. Rabbi we need to become proficient. We need to study more, we need to know more. Now yes, there will always be a time when I don't know a halakha. And a person should always be comfortable going to their rabbi to ask that question. A person always, when they come to a dilemma and they've reached the maximum, they've tried to work it out, they can't work it out, always is a smart thing to go to a rabbi because a rabbi has siyata dishmaya. But to bring a rabbi with you into a board meeting, Shema Yisrael. To have it, go to a guy and have the rabbi bless everything and sprinkle holy water. Which religion is this? Where did this come from? Where did this come from? Birachot, tefilot, yes. But who's the rabbi praying to? God. Who can you pray to? 
God. Granted, he has more zechuyot. So long as you don't remember that the one in charge here is not the rabbi, it's Boreo Lam. You could turn a rabbi into Avodah Zarah too. And the length of the beard doesn't make it less of Avodah Zarah. It's such an important point, this Rabotai. Tamim ti Hashem elokecha. We have to be holy, not H-O-L-Y only. W-H-O-L-L-Y. We need to be holy with God. Having a conversation with Him about everything that we need. A constant conversation. Sometimes a person says to me, I went to this rabbi and to that rabbi for a berakha, and to this rabbi and to that rabbi for a prayer, to this rabbi and to that rabbi for a segula. I said, did you pray? He said, Rabbi, I don't know. He says, I, you know, I don't know how to pray. I said, what do you mean to know how to pray? What do you mean you don't know how to pray? Turn to Bore Olam. He speaks all the languages. He made up all the languages. Okay? He knows every single sprach, every single shtick, every single slang. He's up on all of the Arabic slang too. You want to use the words you can't communicate without saying, say it that way. Turn to Bore Olam. Don't turn to anything else. Now, if you feel after you've prayed, after you, you're stuck, maybe it makes sense to go to someone who has more zikhuyot than you and to ask him also to knock on heaven's door on your behalf. Maybe it makes sense to go to the kever, to a grave of a very holy man and to ask them to intercede on your behalf in front of God. Maybe that makes sense after a person has done their own ishtadlut. They've tried everything that's within their power. Otherwise, you're divesting God of His power and you're giving it to, to human beings, to flesh and blood. Rabotai, these are such important concepts. <clears throat> what does emunah mean, Rabotai? What does emunah mean? Emunah means not like what we read in the newspaper, in the Jewish religious newspapers every day. Not like you read in every storybook. The guy went here and he went there and, uh, and if he woke up late and if he wouldn't have woken up late he would have died in the plane crash. That's, that's what emunah means. That's what emunah means. That God always saves people. What about the people that died? What about people who had real emunah and they stayed sick? What about those people? What about the guy who had emunah and he didn't get married? He stayed single his whole life. What is that guy? He's failed in his emunah? No. Emunah doesn't mean that if I believe in God, God's going to fix everything. Emunah means that whatever God gives me, that's what I was supposed to get. I'm supposed to pray for all the things that I want. I'm never supposed to give up hope that those things that I think are really good for me are going to happen to me. And I'm supposed to pray to God for those things to eventualize, to materialize in my life. But, but maybe that's not what I need. Maybe this is my kapara, or maybe this is my challenge, or maybe this was the reason why I was sent to this earth. Tamim tiyem Hashem elokecha means let go of the wheel and understand that Hashem runs your life. And the good things and the bad things, everything comes from Him. And ultimately, there's not a single bad thing that happens to us in the long-term perspective, from God's perspective. Do things hurt in this world? I don't know. Go ask all the people who suffer. I think it does. To, to think, are things difficult with us in our life? Are there times that we yell at God that we don't think things are, that we don't think things are fair? Absolutely. Yeah. 
A grown-up emunah is not a child. A child's emunah is daddy will protect me and nothing bad will ever happen to me. That's a child's emunah. And it's true in its, in its global sense, in its godly sense. But in my little world, does that mean that I'm never going to cut my finger? Does it mean I'm never going to be sick? Does it mean I'm never going to suffer? Does it mean I'm never going to have a job? No. No, that's not what emunah means. The Jewish people had emunah in the desert. They did. They did. The Jewish people had emunah in the desert. And what do we see? We saw miracles. I think sometimes we think that that's what emunah is going to look like for us too. We're going to believe in God and the ocean is going to stay ripped open. And the clouds of glory are going to surround us and we're going to eat food that falls from the heavens. Now, yes, that is also possible and we believe that with perfect faith. But we also believe with perfect faith that if that didn't happen, then that, that, that's what was meant to happen. So the Pasuk is asking us, let go of your vice grip on the future. Stop trying to manipulate everything for tomorrow and let God do his thing a little bit. Let, let him decide for you a little bit. Do your best and then just say, I've done everything. Hashem, you take over. I trust you. Tamim Hashem elokecha. And now we hear the words that Rashi is telling us. When a person does that, then he's part of Minat Helko. He's part of God's portion. And God is part of his portion. When he stops trying to feel the need to be smarter uh, uh, and more, uh, more uh, planned out than God. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.